as people across the Gulf Coast prepared for Dorian, it made me really ponder my own uh, preparation, how prepared I was for for disaster should it strike, right? And I think all of us, we, we, we think about that from time to time. How prepared are we for, for disaster when it comes? I think back to, you know, the great ice storm. That's always what I go back to, those two, three weeks we went without power. Uh, it was a defining moment of my childhood. But, you know, luckily, we had a wood-burning stove in my parents' house. My brother and I both knew how to operate chainsaws and cut firewood. And so that helped out tremendously. But but disasters, they do that. They make us realize how prepared or not prepared we are. And it's always in the middle of that crisis that we really become aware of these things. But, you know, that made me think about those, those spiritual crises that we find ourselves in, or the spiritual disasters, or battles even. And it makes me wonder about how God prepares us for those things. And there's, there's lots of stories in the Bible about God preparing somebody most notably is Noah. Hey, there's a flood coming. Build an ark. And we, we know that story, right? That's one of those classic Sunday school stories we grow up with. But what's amazing, really, when you think about it is, is Noah's out there and he's building this ark. And we don't really know how long it took him to build this boat. It obviously wasn't an overnight deal. But what we also know is that out of the entire world, the only family that was spared was Noah and his family in that ark. And so what we see in the story is that not anybody else in the world saw Noah building this thing and thought to themselves, maybe I should build one too. But we see that God was, was preparing Noah, was preparing things. And, and we know that preparation is important for God because even when He decides to send His only Son, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh to this earth, He does what? He creates John the Baptist to prepare the way. We don't often think about God in preparation, but for so much of our lives, that's exactly what He's doing. It's not necessarily about helping us in this moment. It's about giving us the, the strength, the wisdom, the clarity for something that is coming our way that we might not even know about yet. One of the greatest stories in our Bible about the preparation that God has for His people is in Genesis it's in several chapters of Genesis, actually. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 45 for our reading. It's the story of Joseph. This vast story that, that spans across a big chunk of Genesis. We see him first as a boy. And he's the, the youngest of all of his brothers. And... He's also born out of his father's old age. And so, you know, his, his father was an old man, didn't know if he was going to have any more kids, and then, boom, here comes Joseph. And he becomes his father's favorite. And so he gives Joseph this beautiful coat of many colors. And at the time, I mean, we're all the way back in Genesis, dyes were expensive. It's not like you could go down to the store and get colorful. No, usually... The clothing that you wore was the color of whatever product it was made out of. But this had dyes in it, and it was beautiful and gorgeous and expensive, and it made his brother so very jealous of Joseph. But Joseph also had a gift. He had vision. In one of these visions, he had his brothers bowing down 
and worshiping Him or bowing down in honor of Him. And he tells his brothers this story about how one day he would rule over them and they got so incredibly jealous. And so they beat him up, they take his coat, and they throw him in a pit. And there's some debate about whether or not they should even kill him, but they decide ultimately they're going to leave him there for the slavers that come by. And then poor Joseph sold into slavery. And then he works in the Pharaoh's house, and after a scandalous affair with the, the Pharaoh's wife, he gets thrown and locked up in prison and forgotten about. That's what our scriptures tell us. But he still has this gift of interpreting dreams and having visions, and, and so word gets out that he has this ability and this power. And so the Pharaoh calls him and says, look, I've got this dream, and let me tell you about it. And he, and he tells Joseph all of these things. And Joseph tells the Pharaoh, there's a great famine coming. A great terrible famine that's going to last a very long time. You need to start storing up food. You need to start preparing. Because your nation is going to crumble if you can't feed the people. And sure enough, that vision comes to pass. And Joseph is put in this very high-ranking position within the Pharaoh's rule. And it's a beautiful story about how even in the worst times, God can still be working with us and still have a great glorious plan for us. But the one thing about that story that's so important is that it's very much a story about not just Joseph, but the nation and the Hebrew people as a whole. Because remember, we're talking about the very early parts of the Hebrew people. We're talking about one of the original families here. And so it's so important to understand that it wasn't just about making... Joseph's brothers learned a valuable lesson about treating others with kindness or the lesson about how even when you're at rock bottom, God might still have a great plan for you. It's a story about how God was watching over His people and working through His people to save them. Because if it wasn't for Joseph, everyone would have starved and died. Maybe not everybody, that might be an exaggeration, but majority of those people, his family, probably would have been one of them, especially those families that are on the outskirts of the Pharaoh's empire. But we see that this beautiful story about how God is making sure that all the pieces are in line for what might come. That no matter what disaster or, or tragedy befalls humanity, God has a plan. But in chapter 45 of Genesis, verse 1, it reads, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Am I Joseph? I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near, and then he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity, for you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, 
and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, and do not tarry. I like that part. He said, I was not brought here as punishment, but to preserve life. And Joseph, he's looking back on this colorful history that he's lived, right? From from going to the youngest of several brothers who was hated by almost his entire family, to being a slave, to being a prisoner, to now being over one of the Pharaoh's great houses. And out of everything he had done, he knows that his purpose in life, it wasn't interpreting dreams, it wasn't overcoming hardship, it wasn't ruling, it was preserving life. These past several years, I've become more and more interested in, in, in prepping and having some stuff set back in case of in case of disaster or what have you. It, it, I think it's important. And I was thinking back a while to that tornado or unconfirmed tornado we had several years back. Because I remember I knew it had stormed pretty severely the night before, and I was up and I was in the kitchen getting the coffee ready, and I heard a chainsaw going out right in front of my house. I thought that was odd, so I peeked through the window, and there's a truck stop, and it's cutting up the tree that fell right there. And I'm like, oh man, a tree. I didn't realize everything that had happened had happened. But by the time I could go and get on some clothes and get out the door, they were gone, and that tree was cut up and cleared. And what I saw was, but in moment as a community, you didn't see any outside help. It was just us. Every guy with a chainsaw was out in every driveway by every power line. But it really showed me that the importance of not only being active when you're called to act, but being prepared and having the things in place. And the same is true for our spiritual lives. You see, we don't often realize how many of these scriptures, how many of these verses, how many of these studies that we do have nothing to do with what we're dealing with now, but are setting themselves up to give us wisdom later. How many of us have been in a bind or been in a, a, a bad spot in our life and we remember something we read in the Bible? We read a, a, remember a sermon that we heard and it gives us hope. Well, of course, we don't realize it then that that's what it's going to be used for, but, but to know that God knows what's coming our way and knows what's in our future and that He has given us all of this Scripture, all of this preparation for whatever might come our way, that He has put people in our lives for a reason. Because Joseph never would have saved Egypt if it wasn't for the brothers he had in his life. Go back to the beginning of that story. If his brothers were warm and welcoming and, and, and cheered and praised Joseph, oh, that's a great coat you got, Joseph. We're so happy for you. What would have happened to Egypt when the famine came? Right? We, we have to understand that everything is for a reason. Even the people in the prison cell with Joseph were there for a reason. To have dreams for Joseph to interpret. The guard, every, every single element of that story was there. We never know what purpose anyone or anything has in our lives. We might think we do. But God's got a plan. God knows what He's doing. God knows what He's preparing us for. You know, we talk a lot about the Second Amendment. That's a big gun control is a big thing right now. But when we look back to the founding fathers, their idea was that 
every man who is capable of having a, a, a rifle would have a rifle. And when we went to war, they would all pick up. The, there was no army. It was just militias. Every community had a little you know, battalion of, of men. Farmers would trade in their pitchforks for the rifle and go. That's why part of that Second Amendment says well-regulated, because the idea was that you would be trained, you would be prepared, you would know how to do these things. To be prepared, to be ready. And so I wonder too, in the spiritual battles that I've been talking about so much, we are in a sense, each individual church, a spiritual militia. That when Satan attacks any member of our militia, we as a group have to fight that spiritual battle with them. I went on, I think it was throughout the, the whole month of May, and talked about the importance of fighting these spiritual battles together as a group. But part of that is being prepared for those spiritual battles. Part of that is knowing how to use those spiritual weapons that we have, that whole armor of God that I talked about. It's great to know that, that God has prepared us to be a, a spiritual warrior, that God has given us all these things, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the truth. But do you know how to use it? Have you trained yourself in, in knowing how to fight these spiritual battles? Have we, have we truly prepared ourselves for the battles and the war ahead? Satan's been preparing to distract us for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. He's been on this earth every single day figuring out better and better and better ways to pull people away from the salvation of Christ, to pull people away from God. It's not enough to sit here and study the Scripture, to do a Bible study, to listen to a sermon, and nod our heads in agreement and think, yeah, I think that's a good point, and then never think of it again, and never use it, and never think about how we can use it. The sword of truth is this scripture. This is the weapon that we were given in the spiritual battles that we have. Are you taking care of it? Are you treating it as if it's an actual weapon that you're responsible for? Or is it dull and covered in rust and sitting on a shelf somewhere? And you don't know how to use it. No, we need to go to it every single day. We need to be sharpening our minds, sharpening our wisdom, being able to understand what the Scripture says about what we need to be doing with our lives. Because this Bible is all about preparation. That's why it's here, to prepare us. To prepare us for the fights that we find ourselves in and to prepare us to get us into heaven, which is the goal, which is the, the, the finish line of the fights that we have. Even Jesus Christ Himself came down to this world not as an end-all solution, but as a preparation for us to prepare the way. I talked about how John the Baptist was here to prepare the way for Jesus, but Jesus was here to prepare the way for us so that we can get into heaven. Everything comes back around to preparing us to be the kind of Christians that God is calling on us to be. To get into heaven through the salvation of Jesus Christ. You see, we 
None of us in this room can save anybody. But we can only prepare their hearts to accept Christ. We can only prepare them spiritually to receive His Word, to receive His guidance. Think about that. The only spiritual power we have with anybody, whether it's a close family member that we love or a stranger on the street, is to prepare them. That's it. We can't force them to do anything. We can't grab their mouth and force them to say the words, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. No, it's all about simply preparing their heart to accept His salvation. And even then, that salvation is just to prepare us for heaven. It's preparation for preparation's sake. When Dorian was coming towards Florida, you saw so many people. They were, they were putting board, boarding up windows. They were bugging out and going to another state, getting far away from Florida. They were raiding stores for all the water and it's always milk and bread and I've never understood that. Kim points out like that's the most perishable food. Why would you go for milk and bread? If my power goes out, the last thing I want in my fridge is a gallon of fresh milk, right? But but anyways, you see all these people and they're, they're frantically going everywhere and what happens is they don't really have what they need. I have a friend down in Florida and, and he was sh- posting pictures of the Walmart down the street from him and the aisles of food were cleared out. But then you go to the camping aisle where the glow sticks are and the freeze-dried meals and all the stuff you might actually need untouched. Completely untouched. The stuff that the people would actually need to be prepared for this is untouched. But think about how relevant that is in our spiritual lives. God's trying so hard to prepare us for a crisis that's coming. A temptation, a darkness, a hardship. And we're reaching for the nice, cool stuff that we think is going to help. And we're missing some of those vital pieces of the Scripture, vital pieces of the prayer, of what we actually need to be doing to ready ourselves for this. How many of us have been in a really hard time and we turn to the wrong people? We've got something on our chest, but we're going to vent to somebody who might not be the best person to vent to because they're only going to fuel our own worry. Or maybe they're going to turn around and tell the person that we're talking about, right? We know who's good to talk to, but we know who's not. How many people out there, when they're dealing with a hardship, instead of going to somebody that loves them and wants what's best for them, go out to buddies who can take them out for a nice, fun time on the town, drink their problems away, make them forget about it, and then drop them back off at their house in such a terrible state for them to wake up the next morning hung over, alone, and still right in the same spot they always were. We have to understand that when we, we fight these spiritual battles, when we go through these hardships, God has laid it out for us what we need to be doing, what we're supposed to be doing, who we're supposed to be doing it with. We're supposed to be calling up our Christian brothers and sisters, those those battle buddies that we have in these fights and say, hey, I'm having a really hard time with this temptation. Hey, I'm really feeling depressed here. Hey, I'm really losing sight of God and His love. Or I've got so much hate in my heart for somebody. And to have the other person say, you know, God's got this. Let's pray over it. Let's look through the Scripture and find what it can tell us.
Let's talk through this thing. Let's pray through this thing. But how many of us don't? How many of us go to somebody that's going to distract us from the problem? It's going to only be a, a echo chamber. That's the word I'm looking for. Oh, you're absolutely right. This is terrible. Oh, this is awful. Oh, they are the worst. When I complain about somebody, I love complaining about somebody who also doesn't like that person. And then all we do is just talk about that person and tear them apart. That's not good for anybody involved. But that's what we tend to do. God has laid out what weapons we need, what tools and strategies are going to set us up for success in the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in. He has prepared it for us. He has written us a battle plan, a blueprint. We have to read this. We have to prepare ourselves for everything that comes our way. God knows what it is. The day you were born, took in that first gasp of air and let out a cry, as the doctor slapped our little bottoms, God knew every hardship that was going to come your way. And He was putting people in your life to help you through that. But there are also people in our lives who aren't. There's also Satan who is putting stuff in the way. And there's also our own selves who like to just wander off the path aimlessly. See, we serve a loving God who loves us and wants what's best for us. And He is going to do whatever it takes. Throw us in a pit to be sold to slavery lock us up in a dungeon to be forgotten. Whatever it did with Joseph, he's going to do for us. And it might not feel like that's the case, but God has something in store for us. He is preparing us for something. And it doesn't seem like it when we're at rock bottom. It doesn't seem like it when we're in these hardships and these dark times. And that's when we lose sight. But he's strengthening us each and every day for the battles ahead. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank You. Lord, we just thank You for Your Scripture, Lord, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord God, we thank You for all the preparation You've done for our souls to get us ready for the fights that we find ourselves in. Lord God, that no matter what Satan throws our way, the world throws our way, Lord, that whatever we put in our own way, You have a solution. You have a victory in mind. Lord God, let us keep our eyes on the prize. Let us keep our eyes on You, Lord God, on the kingdom of heaven. Let us persevere through hardships. Let us prepare for victory each and every day. We pray all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hatridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission. And if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas, feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'd love to see you.